137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 191, 91. which just so happens to be our five-year anniversary show. Well, happy anniversary, fuckers. Man. <laughs> five years. It is pretty crazy, dude. Bruce. Five years of doing this podcast. Our official anniversary date would be May 8th. Um, hopefully everybody survived and you're listening to this because on May 8th, there's also a giant chunk of a Chinese rocket that is hurtling back down towards Earth. It's unmanned, uncontrolled, and it's like the size of what, how would Rob say, like a 10-story building? Not sure if you boys knew about that. I nope. do not know about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's some pretty scary stuff. Where is it projected to fall at? Well, we don't know yet. That's also a large part of the problem. They sent a rocket up. Um, oh gosh, when was it? Last week, sometime I think. And they don't know. The rocket itself is supposed to come back down, but it's completely uncontrolled. It's completely unmanned. Uh, it's called the Long March 5B that launched on April 29th, part of the uh, Tianhe space station that orbits around the Earth. The launch was successful, but a 20-ton rocket has since remained in space and is slowly inching closer and closer to Earth. It's bound to get sucked back up in the atmosphere and then hurtle down to all of us below and they don't know exactly where it's supposed to land. Ugh. They just know it should be sometime probably on the 8th, which is Saturday. Happy fifth year anniversary, boys. I hope we all live through it. Yeah. Hope so, too. That'd be terrible. Hopefully it lands yes, in the ocean um, somewhere. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not the last time this happened. A year ago... On May 5th, 2020, China launched the same model of rocket on a mission that was intended to test out the experimental crew capsule for a future manned mission to space. It reached a height of around 5,000 miles before returning down to Earth, but they controlled it all the way. However, it did partially break apart, and a 36-foot-long piece of metal landed in Africa. Damn. Can you freaking you know, imagine? You know what's crazy? <clears throat> Just having this conversation uh, this past week is, you know, that, that whole SpaceX um, launch made up at the space station stuff. And uh, I'm assuming yeah. you guys heard about basically this rocket that was that had these astronauts in it, like barely missed like a big piece of space trash. And I mean, like <laughs> and barely missed it to us is like, it's like seven miles, which to us is like. Yeah very far away but in space it's it's so it's like it's like a hairline it's nuts um yeah so during that time you Ugh. know they're you know they're interviewing people and you know of course they're going to go to the to the you know the the media boy elon musk and he makes a comment about like like yeah people are going to die it's going to happen it, it's whoa i mean but think about that though dude like he's right like 
he his vision is to get people to Mars. Do you really think that no one's going to die on that mission? Do you want to know? What, so what he means like, is we're just going to get to Mars by climbing on the stack of bodies. No, like he means like it, in order, like astronauts, they're just like military servicemen and women. Like they mm-hmm. they do this for the honor of their country for, and even more than that, the honor of humanity and advancing human yeah. life. And when you take that, when you take that oath and you take that responsibility and that honor, you put your life on the line. Like, you know, the the dangers and the risks. So Elon Musk saying that, like, it's so true. Like, do you know the first thing they're going to build on Mars? A graveyard. A hospital. Oh, A graveyard. A memorial. Because people are going to die on the journey there. It's going to happen. Like, there's Uh, a new movie called Stowaway on Netflix. A lot of mm -hmm. this... Netflix is doing this whole thing where it's like a new movie each week. Okay. I've been kind of a lull on movies, not being able to focus on movies lately. Like a few that I, mm-hmm. I'll start, watch, stop, watch, stop, watch. Um, you can tell that these are just like straight to DVD movies. You know what I mean? And Stowaway. <laughs> these are. <laughs> yeah. Stowaway is kind of like that. Yeah. These astronauts have been um, given a mission to go to Mars and they're on this space station and they're going there to cultivate and all this stuff and things are going wrong. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it was just, just really cool to see, like, we're going to start seeing more movies of that because that's such a prevalent topic right now. And yeah, sure. Just to see that, like, and then, and then that got me thinking about like, you know, you said this thing about China, this Chinese rocket is falling back down to earth. We don't know what the hell's going on. They launched another rocket because there's no communication between the different space agencies in the world. They can yeah. launch whatever they want. There's no, you know, no one owns space. So they launched up yep. there. Something goes wrong. They could have a catastrophic event up there. They're embarrassed about it. They don't want to report it to America or the rest of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And China's just like, it's the Russians. <laughs> yeah. like Or that, or, you know, like nothing like scandalous or like war, war, like, you know, greedy, shady shit. Just like, Well, I don't know, man. I would argue that like we're kind of in the middle of a very light second space race right now. Yeah, Yeah. that's what Mars is the target. That's what that's what I'm saying is that that's what we're getting to. And then because of that, they're launching this shit up. If a catastrophic event happened, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't say anything. They're real secretive. Um, Yeah. Our guys have to or Russia's or anybody else's when they're trying to advance their space, their space technology their mathematicians and all their scientists and shit have to, you know, do all these calculations and stuff. And then they don't know what space trash is up there. That's what I'm saying is if something happens and they don't, they're, they're told that they're not, they don't have previous knowledge that something happened here. And then maybe because of gravity and they're out, you know, I'm not a scientist or anything. So I don't know how all that shit works. But like, <laughs> we're if, not scientists. If space trash moves to another area, if that's a possibility or something, because the access to the planets and stuff, you know, it, they have to constantly put all that in all them calculations into, and they have to adjust that on the fly. Like it's so like mm-hmm. space trash is going to be an issue and people are going to die. Yeah. Like it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's in the name of advancing humanity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. right. it's, just, it's, well, I was going to say, so like 10 years ago, um, we had made an agreement with uh, China 
that after the Star Wars program, like we were we were both monitoring each other very closely on like satellites and the technology that we were going to put up in space. My uncle actually graduated from MIT and worked for NASA for like eight years and built mm -hmm. some of the first satellites that went up there. And he said that in the late 80s, when we were putting satellites up there, that he literally could zoom in with their camera lens on a guy at a beach in California and read the headline of, you know, the newspaper that the guy was reading. Like, that's how good the technology was. And that after he left the program, he's like, you know, you think about that was in the 80s. That was like, you know, almost mm -hmm. 30 years ago that that technology has advanced a lot. So about 10 years ago, um, the Chinese had actually developed a orbital that could blow up and dismantle satellites and we'd made an agreement like whoa buddy you can't make that shit anymore but they went ahead and they did it anyways and they started mm -hmm. blowing the shit out of their satellites that they weren't using and created all this space debris mm -hmm. so being you know conscious of what's going on they they said okay america we got you and they built these little tiny robots that would disperse from uh, like their satellite and go in and clean up the space trash. But then the American government's like, no, you can't fucking do that. Like you guys are, no, you guys are too advanced right now and you're outshining us. And so they put a lid on it. So space trash wouldn't be a problem if America wasn't being butthurt about the like Chinese. Some fifth element shit. <laughs> yeah. Chinese, the Chinese right. are number like one. Droids come out. Yeah. <laughs> they're like little brushes. Just a bunch of whistling yeah. BB-8s and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that's cute. Well, that's the problem we have right now is um, as of today, they were saying the, the Pentagon here in the U.S. is trying to monitor the best they can on this reentry of this object. But so far, they've decided at this point, we are not going to shoot the giant space laser we have to destroy it. We're going to kind of uh, see how this thing, you know, the goes. Giant, <laughs> the giant space laser. Yeah. yeah. But they did say that uh, they are going to hold China accountable if anything goes wrong. Well, yeah, no shit. Like, if, we're going to get lucky if it falls in the ocean. Uh, I don't know the statistics, but I mean. I just hope they, I mean, hopefully they can uh, let people know. Yeah, Somehow. you get like a 30 minute warning. Who knows, All right, guys, man. we need you to clear out an area of about, uh, you know, 30 miles. <laughs> yeah, look, like, it, uh... it, if SpaceX can create a rocket that can reland itself after, like, you know, it, it breaks away from the module, like, come on, China. Like, you guys have been still in technology for years now. Like, you guys couldn't, like, go into Elon Musk and steal that shit and make it better. Yeah, there's only one way to do that, Preston, <laughs> and that's called Inception. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Scary Terry, bitch. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. It's uh, it's really funny as we're talking about SpaceX. I'm chatting with my buddy Giovanni. He lives up in Newton. Newton's like what, fifteen twenty miles from Wichita. What a great name. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man, Gio. He's one of my best buddies from college. Anyway, on Facebook, right as we were sitting down to record this, he just put. Anybody see the long line of perfectly straight line lights in the sky? And I said, Gio, where'd you see it at? And he says, just north of Newton. It was about 75 to 100 lights all lit up, going west to east, and they all vanished in the same exact spot. And I remembered Elon Musk just said that they're launching another series of SpaceX satellites um, 
oh gosh, when was it yesterday or the day before? Somewhere around like the third or fourth of May. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. Like people are still tripping. I mean, I don't understand it. Like you have your finger on the news. Everybody has Twitter practically. How do you not know this is going on? Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, they're being seen from Vegas to Utah, Colorado, Arizona, here in Kansas, like in, and everybody's in freaking out. Yeah, That's so cool. You can see like this this perfectly straight streak of lights going yeah. up. It's called oh, science. That's funny. I texted him and I was like, "Yeah, man, it's most likely Elon Musk sending up the." Uh, the SpaceX satellites, and he's like, oh, maybe that's just it. And then all these people are like, I don't know, man, I think it's aliens. And then someone's like, I saw the exact same thing. What is this? And then, no, he just tagged me on a uh, Newsweek article talking about <laughs> sending up the SpaceX satellite. Ah, oh, look at us. Well, anyway, boys, cheers to five years. Um, yeah. It's been a blast. I'm uh, very thankful to be, you know, going through this with you, you both and also with Rob. I wish Rob could have joined us on this episode, but hopefully he'll be coming back here pretty quick for a few episodes. But quite an adventure. Oh, yeah, man. I'm out. Peace. Yep. Boom. <laughs> That's all Steven wanted. Hit yeah. that benchmark, baby. Now, Presto, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your adventure you just had on your forearm? Yeah. So, uh, last uh, Thanksgiving, um, we were sitting around and uh, watching uh, TV, and uh, Dad was getting bored with whatever was on, and he's like, you got anything new on Voodoo? And I said, well, you know, I got this uh, Ink Masters that I'm watching. And so uh, we put that on and, you know, uh, mom, mom and dad are late seventies. And, uh, so as we're watching it, you know, mom was like, oh my God, tattoos are so trashy. Look at, look at all those tattoos up and down their arm. I can't believe. So dad had looked over at me and kind of rolled his eyes. And, uh, I said, Hey pops, I'll make you a deal. If I, if I ever get a tattoo, um, I'll get an American traditional army skull and put big John Wiener on it. And he got a big shit eating grin on his face. And, you know, <laughs> mom's like, Oh, you just do that to piss me off. Wouldn't you, John? I can't believe you're encouraging this. So, uh, you know, dad passed, passed away in uh, January. You make your mom and I, sound like an old lady. Yeah. So, uh, you know, dad passed away in January and that got me thinking like, well, fuck, I, I gotta get this, uh, you know, I gotta get this tattoo now. And, uh, the, uh, April uh, 23rd or not April 23rd, March 23rd. Um, no, April 23rd. It was just a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yeah. we're, uh, I was getting ready to go out of town and, uh, propose to the missus and make it official. And, uh, that, uh, that Friday, um, I, Hey, book- real quick. Thank you for calling her the missus and not the lady. Yeah. It's graduated yeah. now, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, yeah, is that it's, what happens? Yeah, we graduated. And oh. uh, so I, I decided before that that weekend, uh, I uh, would, uh, you know, go ahead and book the tattoo. And uh, coincidentally enough, the tattoo parlor was right across the street from St. Francis where Dad passed. And so I was, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, this is a sign. Like, let's uh, let's get this done. And, uh, so Jeffrey and I went in, sat down and, uh, I was sweating bullets the whole entire fucking time, <laughs> like nervous as shit. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing to myself? And, uh, needle touched the skin. And I'm like, this is fucking nothing. Like I 
can't believe I was being such a <laughs> pussy about this. And uh, now I have a American traditional army skull smoking a pipe, and uh, it says Big John Wiener on my arm. So, oh, awesome, man! I love it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, dope. It's truly a pretty badass tattoo, man. And uh, he would have loved it. Yeah, for sure, dude. For and sure. then you know, at, and now you got a wiener on your arm, which is tight. Yeah, I got a wiener. I got a wiener on my arm, and uh, so we got home afterwards, and mom was like, "Let me see it." And she's like, I mean, it was it was nice what you did, but I just, you know, it's a tattoo. Yeah, and, uh, she's backpedaling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, what can you do, man? I'm I'm 36 now, and my mom is just now. I I don't think she's as upset when I get tattoos as you know the very beginning. Yeah. It used to be I'd get one and she'd get really kind of irritated. Well, you know, I wish you wouldn't do that and. You know, now I get one and she's like, well, that's pretty neat. Like when I got the Mars Attacks tattoo for my grandma, um, I think that was like my third tat and I showed it to her and she's like, it's it's beautiful. Like just the amount of detail is just insane. Your grandmother would have hated it because my grandma really did not like tattoos. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't shudder anymore before showing my mom my tattoos. So that's a good feeling. <laughs> Sweet. And the only problem, Presto, is just you're going to want more. Yeah, I know. It's like a Pringles can. Once you pop, you can't stop. So I already got a couple ideas rolling around for like the next three. So Pringles sound good. Yeah, I know. Yep. Well, I want to make another announcement here real quick. And this is for our very good friend, Corey. Uh, we've mentioned Corey on the podcast before. Boys, what do we say when somebody says Corey? Fuck Corey. There you go. But in this case, no, Ooh, let's celebrate Corey. Corey. Ooh, miso Corey. <laughs> miso Corey is also the other catchphrase. Um, no, our good buddy Corey is bringing back his passion for video games um, and talking about video games. Unfortunately, Pixelated Radio, the former podcast that Corey was on, along with Rob and Rich and Mark, uh, it's no longer a thing. But Corey is bringing back a brand new project, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, and it's going to be called Pixelated Plays. Now, this is going to be a YouTube series, so I don't believe there's going to be audio. I don't think it's going to be a podcast format, but we will be sure to plug the heck out of this when he gets started. Uh, I'm working on the branding with him now, and it's going to be him playing, reviewing. Uh, I don't know if he's doing walkthroughs or not, but also um, but playing video games, old, new. And during some of the episodes, he'll actually be doing an interview with his friends talking about, you know, why specific games mean so much to people, you know, what they loved about it. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm incredibly stoked. I think he'll be getting that started very soon. So more to come on that, but I just wanted to bring that up, give everybody um, a heads up and keep an eye out for it. And we will tell you guys soon where you can watch that when uh, episodes are available. Heck yeah. Good luck, Corey. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then also our dear, dear friend, Big Dobbs, Big Dobbs is bringing the Beard Bomb to Wichita, Kansas on Sunday, the 23rd. Downtown Wichita, I believe it's down in the Old Town Square. There's going to be what they call like a pop-up market or a pop-up shop. It's going to believe... Uh, hang on, let me open this up real quick. Going to Belize? I believe it's... <laughs> yeah, we're going to Belize. No, I believe it's pronounced hot or hout, H-A-U-T-E. The hot handmade pop-up market at Brickyard. It's going to be downtown. There's going to be tons of really awesome items, kind of like an open-air market. There's going to be arts, um, 
other handmade items. Big Dobbs is going to be there with the Beard Bomb. I believe it's going to be right by Public at the Brickyard. I think they've got some beers on tap, some specials probably going on. It looks like it's going to be pretty badass. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get a chance to, uh, you know, hitch up with Big Dobbs again. He's going to come down, open up his shop or his tent. He's going to rub tips and with his beards. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's going to set up his shop down there and be peddling out the old Big Dom's beard bomb. Uh, I'm going to pop down there with him as well. I'll be down so there. if you want to stop by, yeah, yeah, Steve's going to be there, Preston. If you're free that day, come down and hang out too. But bring your kids. if you guys are available, <laughs> yeah, bring the kids for sure. Uh, I believe that pop-up market is going to go from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So it's going to be a pretty big window. Again, March 23rd, stop on down, say hi to Big Dobbs, pick up some of that fantastic Big Dobbs beard bomb. Hell yeah, dude. And just say hi to your boys, man. Come holler at your boys. Yeah. Be cool to see some of you folks that we haven't met before uh, here in the Wichita area. But yeah, definitely check that out. We will be posting about that on Facebook and Instagram uh, closer to the time. But pretty, pretty stoked. Well, speaking of, you know, handmade items and, you know, farmer's markets and pop-up markets, I finally, finally got a hold of a very, very nice death head moth. Uh, there's an entomologist at uh, the Old Town Farmer's Market and also down at the Sedgwick County Farmer's Market. I popped in, I saw him, and uh, he hooked me up. I have a very beautiful, uh, almost three-inch wingspan death head moth just like the one you would see on silence of the lambs and i just gotta find some space on my walls to hang it hell yeah it's tight but i'm super stoked i now have so many dead things on my wall i've got a really badass i think it's like a taiwanese blue beetle uh shayla ordered me a bat i've got a squid in a jar and then now this sweet sweet death head moth now all you need is the body i got you fam <laughs> no, um, it was the yeah, long that, game. That moth is pretty tight. I got a couple things. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Show related as well. I Sweet picked deal, up uh, an ESP retro game. It comes with the mm -hmm. pendulum and everything. That thing's cool. It is really cool. The artwork is tight. We're it's completely original, all intact. Um, the plan is when we do a live show, uh, where we live stream it with just me, Preston, and Sean. Uh, we're going to try to play it. I think that would be fun. Dude, that would work really well. Yep. Um, John and Leslie are wanting to do a show before yeah, too long that, about... Yeah, think about that, dude. Yes, spiritualism, Bro. Um, Houdini, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, we just got to holler at awesome. them and let them know. We could cool. probably set up shop at CD Trade Post and, awesome. and play this game yeah. down there and do a live stream, yep. do a roundtable. That'd be awesome. That'd Hell yeah, cool. look at that, making plans. Um, Sweet, dude. And then I also bought like a, so a popular thing to do with garage sale finds of like paintings and stuff is get like an old school painting, a massive one, whatever, of like a scenery, mountains, landscape, whatever. And then you get that and then you paint like pop culture stuff on the painting. So like by the lake bed, there'll be like a Bigfoot or in the sky, there'll be like a UFO and shit like that. So I got this awesome massive painting in this awesome frame and then i'm gonna have uh sean and preston paint little fucking creatures on it it's gonna like fuck it's gonna be so fucking tight dude and it's gonna be the pixelated paranormal painting it's gonna be so cool <laughs> hell yeah dude i i bought shayla a print there's a guy in i think it's arkansas gosh i wish i knew his name right now off the top of my head 
But he did uh, the same thing, thrift store paintings, mm-hmm. and he has one of this really beautiful stream uh, in these snow-covered trees, and it's Bigfoot just with his wang out taking a piss in the stream. Yeah, it's so good. It's the funniest shit. And then as a yeah. bonus, he sent me like a little like five by seven of a lawn gnome with his back to the uh, the viewer with his little butt cheeks hanging out, <laughs> and he is pissing into a stream as well. He so I have a very unique collection of yeah. cryptids peeing in waterways. So yeah, dude. In my it's, dining room. It's a fucking beautiful painting. It's massive too. So I was like, this will give him plenty of room to draw little or paint little fucking creatures on there and shit. Just I want I want I want to yeah. get like just wild with it. Just like a like a where's Waldo of just fucking cryptids and weird <laughs> shit. Shit, yeah. But, well, we'll get started, man. And then the last thing I found Resto's is time to blow the dust off the paints. Right. And the last thing I found is a new book book of bullshit. That's right, Preston. <laughs> I have a new book. Lay it on me, baby. That's right. It's called... The Bigger, Badder Book of Bullshit. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries of the Past, Past, Past by Reader's <gasps> Digest. This is actually a really famous book, Quest for the Unknown. I picked this up at a yard sale oh, for $2. Damn. It was previously owned by a Vern and Ella J. Riggs of Wichita. I love that shit, dude, yeah, so much. I too. love buying paranormal books from yeah. used bookstores or garage, garage sales and having the person's name in it. Yeah. Uh, it's just so fun. I, th- I I don't know what it is about it, but I think it's truly awesome. So in, when I picked this book up at the yard, so I was like, what in the Preston is this shit? Because the very, the very <laughs> front page is just this pyramid with like flames around it, like, like the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> I was like, what is Dude, this fuck yeah. So fuck in this yeah. book, as I'm turning the pages like a savage, uh, these are some of the contents. The inter- the Eternal Quest. Chapter 1. Ancient Builders, such as Stonehenge, Easter Island Statues, the Pyramids, etc., etc. Chapter 2. Secrets of the Deep. The Haunted Submarine, <gasps> UB-65, The Flying Dutchman, The Plat- the Platine Light, The Mary Celeste, etc. Chapter 3. Treasure Seekers. Etc., etc. Treasure Seekers. Uh, El Dorado. The... Tutamo Treasure, The Lost Dutchman Mine, etc. The Holy Grail. Ooh. Chapter four. Breaking the rules. This is where we this is where we like to see. State motto. No <laughs> the bad boys of podcasting. Communications <laughs> with the dead. The Fox Sisters. Chapter five. <laughs> Windows in time and space. And it's like UFO abduction. Doppelgangers, etc. So I don't know. This book's pretty dope. It's got a bunch of pictures and really cool articles and theories and shit. So it'd be pretty interesting just to pick a chapter and do a little thing about it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, Um, you talked about treasure. I don't want to ruin the subject, but um, our friend Mindy did send uh, Steve, you and I an article about some treasure. We need to talk about this year too. Mm -hmm. This summer we'll have to dive into that. We'll we'll, uh, pop open your book there and then delve into the topic Mindy sent us too. I still have it bookmarked. So I have to jump into that. Oh, yeah. Well, folks, I mean, we're already almost half an hour into this episode. As you can clearly tell, uh, maybe you spoiled yourself and looked to see how long the recording is. This episode is a big old beefy boy. So you're going to want to strap in. We haven't even hit the actual news stories yet. So this is old school, holy shit, two hour long pixelated paranormal just to uh, celebrate the five-year benchmark uh, to make up for all the lost uh, or short episodes, you know, we've had recently. 
So just strap in because we're about to go on a pretty wild ride of some of this weird-ass news going on lately. Um, before I get into it, anybody else got any more updates or announcements at the top? Keen. All right, cool. Well, boys, our first story takes place in Colorado, just a little way, a little ways east, no, west, shit, a little ways west of Kansas. Colorado cult leaders' mummified remains have been found in a house, and seven people have been charged with holding the dead body. Colorado police have arrested seven people in connection with the discovery of the mummified body that authorities believe to be the leader of a spiritual group cult called Love Has Won. Amy Carlson, 45 years old, who had led the group and was known as, quote, Mother God by her followers, was found dead in a home in the rural town of Moffat last Wednesday. And according to Fox News and several other sites I checked, Carlson's body was reportedly wrapped in a sleeping bag and then decorated with Christmas lights. <laughs> That's some straight-up Fallout 76 shit I was there. about to say the exact, exact, exact same <laughs> the thing. The Temple of the Moth. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, one follower who was not charged told investigators he had taken in a group of people who needed a place to stay. Then he found the body in the back bedroom when he returned home Wednesday following a trip to Denver. He reported the discovery to police and said he believed the group had transported Carlson's body with them and then brought it into his home. Wow. All the way from California. The mummified remains appear to be set up in some kind of shrine and have what appears to be a glitter-style makeup around the deceased's eyes. And they said the position she was sitting in was consistent with someone transporting the mummified remains, so they believe they had this body for quite a while. Tom Perrin, a local coroner, told Fox News he believes Carlson likely died roughly four weeks before her body was discovered. <sighs> Toxicology reports are currently pending. Two children, a 13-year-old girl and a 2-year-old boy, were in the home at the time of the discovery, and the seven people who were arrested are currently facing child abuse charges on top of, well, whatever may have happened to Miss Carlson. According to the affidavits, the sheriff's office received many complaints from families across the county saying, shit, according to the affidavits, the sheriff's office has received many complaints from families across the country saying love has won is a brainwashing cult, stealing people and their money. The group is known to take people from all over the world into their, I don't know what you want to call it. What's another word for cult? A website and Facebook group. A website and Facebook page for the group also appears to have been taken down, and a YouTube page connected to the group is still up, showing more than 7,600 subscribers. Wow. Carlson's followers believe she communicated with angels and that she was leading them to a great awakening. The Denver Post reported that the group established itself in southern Colorado in 2018, and they offer, quote, spiritual intuitive ascension sessions and sell spiritual healing products online. That's fucking wild, man. Yeah. I love stories like that, um, though. I mean, it's, it's hopefully it was, you know, natural causes. Um, I don't know. I don't. She know. probably she probably drank some Kool Aid or some shit. 
as a way to ascend or something. And then they would pine over her body. Maybe. Like some, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I'd love to know more about it. Hopefully we'll you know, bad for them cult more members, man. The no one goes out wanting to join a cult. Very true. Um, we still have an episode or two to do on cults, including, you know, an interview with a guy who, uh, I don't know if you tried out for a cult or he went out purposely to join a cult, but uh, we got somebody who wants to talk to us about that. Well, anyway, guys, jump into the haunted Cadillac and let's cruise all the way over to France. Where a farmer accidentally moved the border between France and Belgium while mowing his grass. A history enthusiast happened to be walking through the woods when he stumbled upon a strange-looking obelisk-shaped stone. He also noticed the stone had been moved seven and a half feet from the hole in which it sat. After a little bit more investigation, it turns out a local Belgian farmer had moved the stone because it was in the way of his tractor's path while mowing his property. The BBC News reports, In moving the stone, the farmer accidentally moved the official border between the two countries of France and Belgium. <laughs> Both France and Belgium officials seemed to have a laugh over the matter and taking it pretty easy-hearted. He made Belgium bigger and France smaller? It's not a good idea, said David Laval, the mayor of the Belgian village of a word I will not even attempt to pronounce. I was happy my town was bigger, but the mayor of the Bourgeois-sur-Roc didn't agree. The neighboring town's mayor, another name I will butcher, also seemed to be quite amused. We should be able to avoid a new border war. <laughs> Local officials in Belgium are going to contact the farmer to see if he will simply move the stone back the seven and a half feet where it belongs into its proper place, and if the farmer refuses, only then will the issue... The complaint to Belgian foreign ministry. On a serious note, though, there is a chance the farmer could be criminally charged if he fails to move the stone back to where it properly lays. If he shows goodwill, we won't have a problem. We will settle the issue amicably. Okay, we're going to fuck him up. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little like square uh, pyramid-shaped obelisk that has some numbers carved into it. And he's just like, ah, what the fuck is this? And he just tossed it over into the woods. <laughs> I love it. As soon as I saw the picture of the uh, obelisk in another website, I knew exactly what it was because when we were putting up a new fence in my backyard, I've got one of those just literally butted up against my wooden fence on the outside on the uh, empty lot property. And I called the city and I'm like, what do I do with this weird shaped pyramid stone? And the lady's like, Shove yeah, it up don't touch it. <laughs> right. Uh, you can ride it all the way to the courthouse where you can pay a fine. Yeah. No, yeah, it's a, it's an old school property line marker. And so she said just uh, you can butt your fence clearly up onto it, make it flush, but you cannot move it and you cannot disturb the soil around it. Now, boys, back in the Cadillac, let's go back over here to the U.S. Let's go to Florida, where a oh, woman God. survived being hit by a flying turtle. Of course, Florida. Again? We've already talked about this happening once before, but yeah, you're right. Daytona Beach, Florida. It's not unusual for rocks and other debris to crash through windshields and injure drivers or passengers. But a turtle in Daytona Beach? 
a 71-year-old woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 suffered a gashed forehead Wednesday when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car, striking her. Her daughter pulled over and got help from 911 and other motorists. According to the 911 recording, they were both surprised by what they discovered. There's a turtle in here, the man can be overheard saying. A turtle? An actual turtle, the daughter says. The gash drew a lot of blood, but the woman was not seriously injured. The turtle was likely crossing the interstate when it got picked up and kicked out into the air by another passing vehicle, a la Mario Kart. I swear to God this lady has the worst of luck, said the daughter to the 911 dispatcher as she tended her mother's injuries. The turtle, on the other hand, had the best of luck. It only had a few scratches on the shell and was otherwise uninjured and was released back into the nearby woods. Now, before we leave Florida, how about one more story? I don't know if you guys saw the video that I sent you uh, last week to watch, but another Florida woman says she actually caught footage of what she believes to be a baby dinosaur running through her yard. Dude, Florida is on some other shit. They are on some straight-up other shit, some basalt shit. Like a woman's security footage shows a bizarre small creature running through her yard, and she believes to be a dinosaur. This Florida woman recently had a strange creature running through her yard in the middle of the night. The animal is captured on camera in a few seconds of blurry, inconclusive footage, because why wouldn't it be? But it's left a lot of people rampant on speculation. The homeowner personally believes her security footage caught a baby dinosaur or a raptor-like dinosaur running across the yard. Did you guys watch the footage? What do you think? Mm, I've seen it, but to me it looks like a cat with something yeah. on it. Or like a, I don't know, with something on bird. I don't know. But like the guy's Twitter <laughs> account, at Chris mm-hmm. Likes Dinos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? I mean, you know, I post paranormal shit all the time, but I guess my name's not Sean Likes Paranormal. Uh, oh, okay. He's not the one that posted this from, like, his camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, no. okay. yeah, he found it and reposted the story okay. from another Fox uh, Fox 5 New York News or something like that. It's kind of weird. The video is... looks like a cat, man. Yeah, it it's inconclusive. That's the problem. The video is about seven seconds long. Christina Ryan captured the black and white security footage in question, which is only seven seconds long, although it's easy to see why this leaves a lot of room for someone's speculation. It appears to be running on its hind legs with a very long tail, very close to what it would look like if you were viewing a velociraptor from the top down. Though the odds of it actually being a dinosaur are highly, highly unlikely. But still, Christina Ryan is convinced that what she saw scurry through her property in the wee hours of the morning was indeed a large lizard. Though other people speculate it could be a large cat or even a Labrador retriever. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's weird. You get all sorts of cool stuff on footage, but right now I feel like personally... Uh, quote, security camera footage is almost like the new shaky cam. Yeah. And it's easy to fake stuff because so easy, we've so, talked about... So grainy and shitty quality, it's easier to fake that way. Right. 
I mean, we've talked about stories of people thinking they've caught, you know, a swarm of fairies on their security camera. Uh, Preston, I think you and I talked about somebody thought they captured like a Dobby-like elf walking across their driveway. I remember that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I want to believe. I want more than anything for that to be the case, but I just don't think it is. But that's all right, guys, because I got some real honest-to-God dinosaur news for you here. They're not real. <laughs> they never were. Shut your fucking Paleo- mouth. <laughs> Paleontologists just found a preserved dinosaur sitting on a nest with some of the eggs intact. Wow, that's cool. In a world, f- it's it's amazing, is what it is. Yeah, in a world first news discovery. In a world. Sorry, in a world first discovery, scientists in China just unearthed a seventy million year old preserved dinosaur that's found sitting on top of a nest. What's more interesting, though, is of the 24 eggs in the nest, they were all intact, with seven of them still containing undamaged embryos. Jurassic Park! <laughs> Welcome Indeed. to Jurassic Park. And then we all rewind and say, wait a second, maybe it was a velociraptor in Christina Ryan's security footage. Damn, Scientists believe that this crazy. ovaraptor... <laughs> this avaraptor died while sitting on top of the nest just before the eggs were able to hatch. I don't know what else you can say about that besides welcome to Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. It's truly an amazing find, but uh. but also it's it's this the fur this this the fur the find is the first evidence that the oviraptorosaurus. Uh, they're mm-hmm. also common called egg thief lizards. Uh, this is actually them oh. nurturing to their young. They've never seen evidence of them nurturing to their young before. This is the first oh, time. Holy that, shit! This is the first time really? this has ever been confirmed. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know, like you know, finding a dinosaur on a nest is, I mean, next to impossible. Not that we've discovered every you know dinosaur. Uh, skeleton, but I know it's super rare, but that's even cooler. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah, these were like a big. short, like a parrot-shaped uh, dinosaur that was able to fly. Um, a lot of times they're found in southern China. So each of the three eggs is measured to be about eight and a half inches long, three inches across. In seven of the eggs, researchers found bones and embryos of baby dinos curled in positions. The parent dinosaur is found sitting on top of the eggs with forearms covering the nest. A behavior that scientists believe was the dinosaur incubating the eggs over a long period of time. And most likely she just passed away during the incubation. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. That's pretty wild, Who knows, man? man? Maybe we can... Yeah! If nothing else, it's a it's a badass, you know, discovery. I think the question is, what Who do the eggs taste like? Well, yeah, and what can Elon Musk do with them? Elon Musk! <laughs> the first thing we're going to build on Mars is a cemetery. The second thing, Jurassic Park. <laughs> you guys like space dinos? We got you, fam. Dude, we're about to make every badass 80s cartoon ever a real life thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. You know, Rocksteady oh, Bebop shit. just walking around, not giving a fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Well, as you guys have guessed by the title of this episode, this is going to be Cryptid Encounters Part 17. And before we get into our special cryptid, we've got one last news story that's going to tie us right into the main crux of the episode. 
This comes from CBS News. Scientists discover the monkey dactyl, a Jurassic-era flying dinosaur with opposable thumbs. It soared across the skies and had opposable thumbs, and it lived in China. Man, China gets all the cool dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Meet the monkey dactyl, a newly discovered ancient dinosaur. Now, guys, listen to me pronounce all these dinosaur terms in Latin 100% on the nose. The bizarre Cunpinopterus antipolicatus. Nailed it. Appropriately nicknamed the monkey dactyl for people like me who can't I'm like, actual like, I was going to say monkey dactyl is the most generic bullshit I've ever heard. I love it, dude. It's just like bat squatch. Give me a break. <laughs> the monkey dactyl lived in the forest ecosystem approximately 160 million years ago, says an international team of researchers said in a report. Antipolicatus means opposite thumbed in Greek. Pterosaurs were the first known vertebrates to fly, say researchers. The arboreal pterosaur species marks the oldest of its kind with true opposable thumbs, a phenomenon never before seen in the species. Again, the discovery of the of, monkey dactyl We're, we're also, getting a lot of very first before seen discoveries lately. Dude, I'm, it's weird. Yeah, consider yourselves lucky. When you come to Pixelated Paranormal, you're guaranteed two things. Exclusives. Yes, and also mispronounced words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the new <laughs> the new discovery marks the earliest known record of a true opposed thumb in the history of Earth. Holy crap! Scientists found the monkey dactyl fossil in the Taoshan Formation of, forgive me, Liaoning, China, September two thousand nineteen. Using micro-CT scans to enlarge the anatomical features, they found the small fossil had preserved both hands, which featured an opposed pollux, or thumb, on each hand. Now, there's pictures of the very, very scary monkey dactyl. Um, if you didn't have a nightmare plan for tonight, just take a peek at that. Yeah, it's pretty fucking The creep. fingers... I know. The fingers of the monkey dactyl are tiny and partly embedded into the slab. Thanks to micro-CT scanning, though, we could see through the rocks and create digital models and tell how the opposed thumb articulates with the other finger bones. This is an interesting discovery. It provides the earliest evidence of a true opposed thumb, and it's from a pterosaur, which has never been known before to have opposed thumbs. Opposed thumbs also are very rare in reptiles, but found commonly in humans. <gasps> Did somebody whisper evolution? Shh. Researchers say the monkey dactyl, a type of Darwin, Darwinopteran, named for Charles Darwin, used the thumb for climbing and grasping and giving radical thumbs up as it flew above Tyrannosaurus rexes in an adaption for living in trees. In addition to the thumbs, researchers determined the animal to be very small, with a wingspan of probably about 33 inches. It managed to avoid most competition in its complex forest habitat, which featured closely related species that adapted into different niches. Darwinopterans are a group of pterosaurs from Jurassic era of China and Europe, named after Darwin due to their unique transitional anatomy that has revealed how evolution affected the anatomy of pterosaurs time so guys tonight's main topic may not be a first we may have had little baby bat squatches all the way back 160 million 
years ago. A long time Ooh. ago. Yeah, baby. Say hello to Batsquatch's prehistoric cousin. The cool spring air cut through the leaves of the rustling trees as the hunter and his son stalked their prey. The shoulders of the buck rippled as it walked, bobbing and weaving through the brush, and then it stopped and it lowered its head to take a drink from the creek. With his breath steadied, the hunter raised his rifle and centered his sights on the otherwise clueless prey, and then he held his breath as he gently squeezed the trigger. And then, in an instant, the deafening sound tore through that cool spring air like thunder, ripping apart the clouds, and a great shadow enveloped the hunter. See, there's something to be said about the hunter becoming the hunted, because no matter what we might think, no matter how high we climb the food chain, there's always something bigger, something stronger, and something hungrier. And in an instant, the otherwise clueless prey felt the pain of hellfire as the razor-like talons gripped his shoulders, tearing the muscles as it effortlessly ripped the prey up off the ground. The boy screamed and fell to his knees in the grass as he looked up to see the nightmarish whirlwind of fur and wings as the monster stared down at him with its burning yellow eyes as it pulled his father higher and higher into the sky. The boy cried, and the buck lowered his head and took another drink from the creek. Welcome to Pixelated Paranormal's Cryptid Encounters, Part 17, The Bat-Squatch. Alright, number 17. It's not our first rodeo, Steve. What do you have in the old big book of bullshit about the Bat-Squatch? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing in there about the Bat-Squatch <laughs> at all. Get the fuck, get the fuck out of here. It's true. Bat-Squatch, old nothing, Bat-Squatch. Nothing. I couldn't find anything. I looked in all, like, it's broken up into different sections. I looked into, uh, it'll, like, list a bunch of, like, specific ones, and then all of a sudden it'll be like, mm-hmm. it'll say other or whatever. I went there. There was nothing. Nothing at all. And the section says bat squatch. It says, nah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Well, that's all right because you were able to include an amateur sketch. That's right. Of the creature. That's right. <laughs> so I thought it'd be a good idea before I knew what this thing is or what any, like anything about it. I was like, you know yeah. what? I was like, I think it'd be pretty cool to, to like draw what I think this thing would look like. Yeah. I think you nailed it. And so, if you look in, in the visual companion, you'll see what the amateur <laughs> sketch looks like. It's pretty ridiculous. And now and I wish that the other 16 times we did Cryptid Encounters, we started Steve. off with, Steve, draw what you think this is. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do it from now on for sure. It's fun. Okay. Hell yeah. Are those like a set of titties in the background, Steve? What is that like little V-shaped booby object behind the old Basquatch? What do you think? Like the little, uh, little W down there. Bat titties? I don't know. That's a bat. 
<laughs> that's a bat from Atari, maybe. That's what a bat looks like. <laughs> so it's. I think it's perfect. It's got it's so got little bats that follow it around, and it's got the big the big feet on the bottom. <laughs> uh, it's got a game. You did a good job. This is actually a pretty decent job of what exactly Bat Squatch is described. I was pretty. I, I, I'm not I a like good it. artist at all. I was pretty. I was pretty impressed with my my flocked abilities of bringing the flocked. <laughs> Yeah. You did give it texture and fur. I did. <laughs> I was oh, impressed enough, awesome. Steve. I said I should get that tattooed on my arm. Like I'd, I'd rock that. That's a nice <laughs> little so ridiculous. There you go, yeah. Steve. You might beat me as far as designing something that somebody gets tattooed on their body. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Well, we're here to talk about Bat Squatch. It's one of the funnest cryptids with. Ironically, maybe the least amount of information about it. I had to dig deep for some of this stuff, but that's okay. Because while we're talking about the Bat Squatch itself, I will be drinking a delicious Bat Squatch IPA from Rogue Brewing Company. Motherfucker. I'm drinking an IPA too, but I'm drinking Rearranged. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, to get into the story of Bat Squatch, we actually have to do a little history lesson because just like Mothman and the Silver Bridge Collapse, Bat Squatch actually has his origins wrapped up in another horrific incident. So, located into the state of Washington inside the United States of America, near the major cities of Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington, is the towering behemoth we all know as Mount St. Helens which also just so happens to be more than a simple mountain that stands over 9,600 feet tall. No, no, no. Mount St. Helens is actually a hulking, active volcano. Have you guys seen that in real life? Mount St. Helens? No, yeah. have you? Yeah, no. when I went to Montana, when you go up on top of Glacier Mountain, which is like mm-hmm. the tallest mountain in that area, um, you go up there, you, you see like, you see Canada, you see like two to two or three different states, and you can you can mm-hmm. see Mount St. Helens from there. It's fucking huge. Whoa, it's awesome. really? Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> well, shit, I mean, it's almost, what I say, 10,000 feet Dude, tall, I love so. I love mountains, yeah. dude. And, like, I would love to go to Mount St. Helens and just be like, I went to a fucking volcano. What's up? Dude, let's plan a trip, us three, and while we're at Mount St. Helens, Preston can get the tattoo of your amateur sketch. <laughs> 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 we come full circle. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> well, on the afternoon of March 27th, 1980, the ground surrounding the mountain had begun to tremble as a two-month-long series of earthquakes began to echo from the belly of the beast and steam began to belch from its peak. Now, the natural warning sign that was due to an injection of magma, which created a large bulge that fractured the inside of the mountain near the north slope, caused this whole thing to happen. Then on Sunday, May 18th, shit hit the fan, and just after 8.30 a.m., an earthquake ripped through the mountainside, causing the entire north face of Mount St. Helens to slide away, thus creating the largest landslide in record history. So, real quick, I'm going to interject. A lot of people don't know this, but when Mount St. Helens erupted, there was reports in the area that a bunch of Bigfoots were, like, leaving the area because, like, you know, like, the 
uh, lava landslide was like heading down it was like burning the forest and so then the government had to go in and like airlift all the dead bigfoot bodies out because they all got burned to death <laughs> um i'm not trying to be a i'm not trying to be a jerk where'd you read that is that a legit thing like you read it was in a book that they were talking about like weird cryptid sightings or around like earthquakes volcano eruptions and things like that so like mm-hmm. four or five people in the town like as they were like you know moving away they were like yeah there's all these fucking bigfoots running through the forest and they all burned to death and then a day later the government came in with the helicopters and took away the bodies yeah yeah, yeah. So I I don't know much about this book because I haven't read it yet. But Max Brooks, the guy who wrote the uh, wasn't the Zombie Survival mm-hmm. Guide, Steve. Yeah, World War Z. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He also wrote a book called Devolution or Devolution, and it's a firsthand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre. And this book is a fiction that he wrote, but I want to say it may have to do with that as well. So I wasn't sure if, like, you heard this and you just misunderstood it for this book or if that's, like, a legitimate story. Because if it is, we need to cover that. Yeah, no, it's a legitimate story. Like, I'll try to find the book so we can cover it. But it's, like, I feel bad because all these Bigfoots, like, died. The fucking asshole government goes in and it's just like, nope, not today, people. Like, come on. We could have given them, like, proper burials. Could have had a little Bigfoot memorial for them. But you just fucking turned their little crispy critters away. Holy crap, that's interesting. I think it'd be so cool to see well, lava in real life. Yeah, I think so. Not I if you were the rad. fucking Bigfoot, it wasn't. Yeah, not for Bigfoot, or Big Feet, a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Bigfootsies. Poor little well, fellers. Let me, I'm going to back up just a hair. Now, normally, Preston, you give us the pop culture rundown, but don't worry, I took care of it. Oh. We're talking about March 1980, boys. So on the radio, as you're driving around Mount St. Helens, you could have been jamming to crazy little thing called Love by Queen. Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2 by Pink Floyd. Or perhaps the greatest song of all time, Blondie's Call I just like, these are like on my playlist every week. I'm still stuck in 1980 (laughs) with that Squatch, obviously. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? But here's what's even cooler, like, the music is fine, but it was a hell of a good time, all oh, things considered. Go. If you don't count the, <laughs> if you don't count the uh, volcano exploding, it was a great time for horror movies, boys. We've got movies here in the go. theater what right now, like "Don't Go in the House," "The Shining." Don't Steve, forget that. You and I, our favorite film of all time, perhaps "Humanoids from the Deep." Uh, that's dude. I was just thinking about that movie yesterday. Oh my god, that was <laughs> so you? fun. Yes, oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, "The Empire Strikes Back" Love. was in theaters towards the end here yeah. on May seventeenth, nineteen eighty. Awesome. And then you also had Dario Argento's "Inferno," and then also I want to say. Friday the 13th think, came out May 5th, 1980. Yeah, I was going to say, Friday the 13th came out as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a lot of really good stuff going on. And the Labyrinth well, came it, out? Don't forget about that. Around the same time, really? Oh, no, hold on. I got confused. The Blue Lagoon came out. Sorry. <laughs> wait, I, wait. Wait, hold the fuck on. I saw that. How do you get confused? <laughs> now, the plot lines are very similar in this. <laughs> forget two about yes. the band. As, as I was... As I was uh, scrolling through the list of movies, I saw the David Bowie hair, and I was like, holy shit, the labyrinth. Oh and then God. I went back, and I'm like, oh, no. 
No, 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 no. That's just uh, that's not. Oh no, that's just Rod Stewart. That's too good. Yeah, it's just Rod Stewart. Wasn't Blue Lagoon that movie that everyone's going nuts because it had all that frontal nudity from the main dude and the girl? Yeah. <laughs> so Stephen instead forgets about the boobies. I don't even remember yeah. that movie. Was that about surfers? Uh, it's pretty. It was pretty good. <laughs> That's Blue Crush. Oh, Blue Crush, yeah. Wow, here. Three uneducated <laughs> yes, swine. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> well, on the afternoon of March 27th, 1980, the ground surrounding the mountain began to tremble as a two-month-long series of earthquakes began to echo from the belly of this beast. Steam began to belch from the peak, and the natural warning sign was given due to an injection of magma, which created a large bulge. David Bowie that Magma. fractured the inside of the mountain near its north slope. And then on Sunday, May 18th, 1980, things came to the crescendo at 8.30 in the morning when an earthquake ripped through the mountainside, causing the entire north face of Mount St. Helens to slide away. Sorry to anybody out there that's that we probably should have put a warning to anybody getting triggered by... Uh, or like landslides and <laughs> earthquakes and shit. <laughs> well, and anybody whose family was involved in this because it was a very, very horrible, horrible uh, accident. Yeah. Like it's it like when it comes to stuff like this, like there are like legitimate people. Like the example of this was my uh, buddy, Mike in Pennsylvania, his, his mom, um, Bonnie, she is terrified of tornadoes and Mm. she knew I was from Kansas. So she just was like, so just obsessed with asking about them. She thought they happened all the time. She was like, mm -hmm. she's like, I could not drive through that state because I would, the whole time I would be thinking one would just touch down <laughs> at any time. Can you imagine if somebody had that fear? She thinks it's just raining. Yeah. 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 I'm not trying Literally. to be rude. That's just, yeah, that's it's just funny. like, that's, she's that, I mean, that scared yeah. about, it, you know? And like, so imagine like people that are scared of like landslides and like, the actual, uh, her, you know, earthquakes oh, yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. God, that'd be terrifying. Ooh. Well, it was the largest landslide recorded in history. The devastating landslide released a mixture of high-pressured gas, steam-rich rock, along with partially exposed magma from the volcano, suddenly causing the entire thing to explode in an eruption column that rose another 80 thousand feet into the air that's nearly 15 miles up into the sky this went clear up into the atmosphere sending a blanket of ash that would be seen covering the ground in as many as 11 different states and two canadian provinces so this was huge this incident was just i mean mind-boggling to think 15 miles up in the air there's footage of this right uh, there should be. I mean, there's there's photos. I put a photo towards the bottom here and a couple paragraphs of the actual eruption. That's crazy. Now, just as the explosion occurred, at that same exact time, snow, ice, and several entire glaciers on the volcano melted, which formed a series of larger volcanic mudslides that would reach as far as the Columbia River, nearly 50 miles to the southwest of Mount St. Helens. Then several less severe explosions would continue to go into the next day, only to be followed by another larger, but not quite as destructive, eruption later that year. The thermal energy released during this explosion was equal to that of 26 megatons of TNT. 
The devastating wake of the volcano explosion would leave approximately 57 people dead. It would also flatten many forests, trees, and level several buildings over an area of 230 square miles, spewing forth massive amounts of ash and 1.5 million metric tons of sulfur dioxide into the air, creating the largest debris avalanche ever recorded. That many, that less of people died. That's just insane to me. Mm -hmm. You figured there'd be way more Uh, than that. Yeah, it it was kind of bizarre. I thought the same thing, too, because a natural disaster like that, I mean, I'm hoping that maybe they just had that much of a heads up. I don't know. It seems like it was, you know, somewhat um, quick to happen. But again, we're talking about March to May. So you had, you know, right around two months. So hopefully they begin to evacuate and had the foresight that maybe this is about to happen. Yeah. I'm looking at a video right now. You can actually, um, there's people that have went back to that area. And like this guy in November 30th uploaded a video in 2017 of 37 years after the eruption and going to like old installments there that were there and like little ghost towns and shit. It's pretty crazy. Like looking how all the vegetation overgrown and stuff. It's pretty cool. The eruption was so explosively violent. It completely obliterated the entire top of the mountain, shaving the summit from the once 9,677 feet down to 8,363 feet which left an enormous crater in its place. So the eruption itself blew off over a thousand feet of the top of that mountain. That's nuts. That is crazy. Eh, that's nothing. Dad did Dad did that in Vietnam. <laughs> Amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Preston changed the tone, let's go ahead and slide things back into the paranormal, shall we, folks? But first let's just say, you know, rest in peace. Uh an incredibly sad natural disaster, so But you see, in addition to the eruption of Mount St. Helens releasing hellfire across the nearby land, something else was released into the sky amongst the smoke and the ash and the fire, the poisonous gas. Something sinister. Something that's arrival would unleash a series of rumors and a wave of fear that would spread wildly, just like the ash that rained down across the land. Tales of an unknown beast begin to fall upon the people of Washington and surrounding states. A beast with wings as long as two cars, bright, fiery, burning yellow eyes, and blue fur. Yes, that's right. The beast had blue fur. And then terror swept across the state of Washington. Now, see, if you look at that amateur sketch, it's not really gray. It's more bluish gray. <laughs> like a blue healer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Fear continues to dominate the men, women, and children of this town as a dark shadow looms overhead. Today, four goats, five chickens, two cows, and our prized pig are unaccounted for. No humans are reported missing, but this is no measure for the never-ending toll placed on this community's pride and mental well-being. All Pioneer Day festivities were canceled last week, and with the recent loss of Priscilla the pig... Scheduled dancing this Saturday presumably will fall prey to the monstrous being as well. Neither police chief Durham nor our mayor will estimate potential long-term effects of the continued attacks, but both were obviously saddened by the loss of Priscilla. 
Oh, Priscilla the prized pig. Damn. Uh, well, let's size this bad boy up, guys. Bat Squatch. The bizarre winged creature is reported to have two burning yellow eyes, a wolf-like muzzle, blue fur, sharp teeth, bird-like feet, and leathery bat-like wings that have been said to span to up to 50 feet across. And in addition, Bat Squatch is said to be 9 feet tall and has the bizarre paranormal ability to affect car and truck engines as well. Now, even though it's never actually been directly linked with its earthbound cousin, the Sasquatch, the more ape-like aspects of the airborne cryptid have led many researchers to conclude the creature may in fact be a split in the evolutionary track from which humans and other hominids evolved, or perhaps even an evolution of the old Sasquatch itself. But I think we really nailed it earlier in the news, boys. It's just a pterodactyl monkey. Yeah, I think the, the 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 picture of it looks like a something straight out of the eighties. Fucking what 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 was big in the <laughs> kind what of, was right? big in the eighties? Werewolves and bats, yeah. vampires, cocaine. This is a this is a fucking vampire yeah, yeah, werewolf. So. There's it, yeah, I mean essentially that's exactly <laughs> what it is, dude. It's a flying werewolf with some badass abs. <laughs> Solved. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, you know this guy's just crunching like crazy. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Imagine soaring down, locking your talons on the back of a hunter, and then having to lift all that weight, you know, just bring your knees to chest. You'd have to have some crazy ripped abs. Other researchers have contended that this animal may not be a flying primate at all, but instead a large, unknown species of the North American fruit bat. Having said that, though, the Bat Squatch has been known to be a staunch carnivore due to numerous reports of cows, chickens, goats, prized pigs, all disappearing in the regions that have recorded reports of the old Bat Squatch in their backyard. An explicit carnivory is not a known trait of any current species of fruit bat. All right, let's go with the first report of Bat Squatch, shall we? Coming in from 1980, hot on the tail of vampires and werewolves and, and cocaine. And David Back Bowie's in 1980, bulge. What's that? And David Bowie's bulge. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the first report of Bat Squatch is from 1980 in the Mount St. Helens. The beast's general description is of a great winged bat with purple skin, bashing reddish-yellow eyes, and a loud, deep-based yell. But is it real? Well, that remains to be seen. But it is. It's harder to prove something doesn't exist than if it does, right, boys? Mm -hmm. So to further complicate things, it appears false bat-squatch information and potentially fictitious accounts have been found Across the internet? Well, I tried to weed out as many stories as I could that sounded like bullshit, so let's jump to 1994. 94. From an interview posted in the News Tribune out of Tacoma, written by C.R. Roberts. After a little research, boys, it turns out that both that newspaper and a reporter by the name of C.R. Roberts are indeed both real, which makes this account a little more believable about the old Bat Squatch. In the article, it says, The engine died, the dashboard lights fell dark. Although he hadn't applied the brakes, the pickup truck he was driving stopped suddenly, abruptly, 
square in the middle of the road. There, between the edge of the forest, the scrubby, clear-cut field. His headlights cut a hole through the night, then he sat there wondering what was wrong. And then he saw the feet. Coming down from the sky, he saw bird feet? Clawed, bird-like feet. Then the legs, the torso, followed by the chest. And then the wings, folded behind the creature attached to its back, a broad set of shoulders. And then he saw the head, and that face. The creature, nine feet tall, over thirty feet away, it had blue-tinted fur, yellow eyes, tufted ears, and sharp, straight teeth. With the dust raising, with a thud, the beast landed. Brian Canfield, eighteen years old, held tight to his steering wheel. He was alone, on his way home, from Buckley, to the isolated settlement of Camp One, located in Mount Rainier, at the foothills above Lake Copawasson. He didn't take drugs. He's a high school senior who's known locally to be a very average, normal kid. Look, it was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened. I just kind of felt out of place. It was looking right at me, like in a deep stare, like right through me, right through the soul windows of my eyes. It was standing perfectly still. It stood for how long? Hell, I don't know. Maybe a few minutes, several minutes, maybe an hour. Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. Holy shit, it's like Jeepers Creepers right in front of me. <laughs> and then it turns its head and looks back at me and started flapping its wings. It was like, Caca! Then it rose. Yeah. And such a great turbulence that the truck began to rock and sway. Then the creature flew off in the direction of Mount Rainier. A few minutes later, the truck just started. So I took off as fast as I could and got the hell out of Dodge. So this thing sounds like it's got the effect on motor vehicles, kind of like other paranormal encounters, you know, like UFOs, that kind of crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Flocked first. <laughs> But see, this wasn't the only account that year from 1994. There was another report of something very similar in nature happening when a local liquor, liquor, when a local liquor store owner, avid mountaineer, an amateur pilot by the name of Butch Whitaker. Of course, your name's Butch if you're a fucking pilot and you a liquor store. <laughs> Butch. He claimed that he had seen. He claimed that he was flying his plane over Mount Rainier during a midday when he saw this enormous winged humanoid fly up next to him and kept pace for a few minutes before then flying out of sight. Now, suspicious, perverse rumors began to spread. Far too many sightings were coming up at this bat squatch. So while preparing for a climb in early 1994, Butch says he managed to take several pictures of the beast during the midday flight and considers himself lucky to be alive and lucky to experience the encounter. But he goes on to add, I'm not surprised. These things happen to me all the time. But the government officials deny the existence in the area of any photographic evidence. And the pictures are all scrutinized very heavily with no reason to hold the position this creature is real. 
Later on in 1998, another Bat-Squatch sighting makes its rounds by that of a hiker. Oh, there's a police car driving by. Hold on two seconds. Looking for the Bat-Squatch. Another Bat-Squatch sighting then went on to make its rounds in 1998 from a hiker who saw the Bat-Squatch take a hit from a log truck and then fall into a canyon below. The location is arguable. It's not given due to the fact that it was posted on Batsquatch.com originally, makes this highly suspected to be a real story. This was written in February 1998. It was a, it was a dark and stormy night, and uh, I had taken a fall, landed not too far from the edge of a cliff. I was knocked out. I don't know how long I had laid there, perhaps uh, three, four hours maybe. My watch had been torn off by the fall, along with most of my gear. I was pretty fucked up at that point. Mm, man, I was barely conscious when I... Yeah, I was afraid, too. <laughs> Unconscious, afraid, fucked up. Sitting there just in half of my clothes. And then, uh, I heard a... Like fucking Winnie the Pooh, yeah. no pants on. Like Donald fucking Duck. <laughs> uh, I heard this loud, deep bass, like, yell from the air. The sound was accompanied by a semi-truck horn from below the cliff, from which I almost rolled off hours earlier. So... I looked below, trying to focus my eyes to see clearly. My head pounded from the fall uh, that I had taken, and my ears were ringing, so it was impossible to realize that the next few moments would change my life forever. See, what I saw, and I kept my secret for years, mainly because I had a good job and I didn't want everybody to think I was batshit crazy. And, you know, if it turned out I was batshit crazy, I'd lose it, and we didn't want that. So... <laughs> Maybe, and I'm just saying maybe, I shouldn't have kept silence. My silence has caused the death of so many animals, like that prized pig, and put a town at risk, and I feel like an asshole about it. And you're probably asking yourself, a risk of what? Well, I'll let you be the judge. I'll not come out and, you know, let my name be known. However, I will tell you what happened that night and the following days, and you can judge that and take it right to the bank. I was able to witness a logging truck filled full of Douglas firs hit a large object in the middle of a narrow dirt logging road. Thought it was a large stump at first sight, but the object, upon being struck, bounced into the air, like that thing zipped off like a UFO, and then it fell into the canyon below. It was strange because I could have sworn the object was purple it had wings, maybe like Barney the Dinosaur. I don't know. And I attributed the color to my blood-stained glasses and the wings to my inability to see very clearly at the moment. Because, look, I fell. I hit my head. What I did see was a cloud of dust from the semi as its brakes were applied. The driver, attempting to desperately miss the object in the road, and failed. At first, the truck slid headlong into the object. Then as the truck hit the thing, it must have dazed the driver of the truck because the long semi abruptly swung left, hitting the cliff wall, and then the damn thing jackknife. The rear of the trailer, still sliding, slowly, as it swung precariously near the edge of the right side of the road, maybe a hundred feet, maybe a little bit more, above the steep, rocky walled valley below. Then, as if it was in slow motion... The dirt road under the rear of the trailer gave way, and the rig slowly started moving, falling, okay? The trailer went first over the edge of the road. 
And then it was as if something had clutched the back of the goddamn thing and pulled it over the side of the logging road. I desperately tried to see through the quack, cracked windshield of the semi before it too followed the rest of the trailer over the edge of the road. Anyways, I remember the sound of, of uh, twisting metal as the truck slid down the valley cliff and crashed to the bottom. There was no explosion, no fire, just the sound of metal scraping against the rock and echoing off the canyon walls. A few moments later, only silence and a small cloud of dust rose up from the valley below me. I couldn't see where the truck ended its slide down the rocks. It had disappeared below the steps of, of the canyon. The forest was eerie, and I mean fucking eerie. Of all the things a person can think of after such a terrible accident, what I remember the most was the silence of the forest. There was no wind. There was no birds. There was no nothing. It was as if all time had stopped and the forest ceased to be alive. Reality, friends, finally set in, and I thought, how am I going to go down to see if the driver is still alive? I just shit my pants. No, that had to be cr crazy. No one could have survived such an event. And then I suddenly realized I was sore and bruised everywhere. Now, my reality was coming back to me as I felt the wet blood on my forehead. I slowly moved my legs, and thank God I could still move them. I slowly try, tried each of my other appendages, hoping I was uh, still in one piece from my fall. How many hours uh, from how many hours before? Judging by the sun, it appeared to be mid-afternoon. The last I could recall, it was 10.30 in the morning. After uh, assessing I was still in one piece, I cleaned my glasses and began looking for a way to the floor of the valley. It would have been uh, it wouldn't have been easy without a, a long rope that I somehow had and some experience in repelling, and I had neither. I'm just I'm just I'm just picturing Preston really doing all this. Like this is yeah. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I decided that uh, the best course of action would be to hike back out and get help. I had gone only about 10 feet in the dense underbrush when I heard and felt an unusually strong, a strong gust of wind. The forest was still unusually quiet. I decided to sit down and enjoy the breeze, hoping it would give me a brief moment of, of uh, refreshing before I began my hurried march to get help. So I sat there in the dense brush, and then a large shadow came over the part of the forest. I gazed out, and as incredible as it may seem, I witnessed a large, purplish beast descend onto the very spot where I, only moments earlier, had laid. It had with it another beast that was battered and not moving, and to my horror, I realized that the second beast was the object the truck dr uh, driver had hit on the road. My first thought was to rush up to the beast and ask if... Uh, if it would help me discover the truck driver was still alive. Now, obviously, I had not recovered from my head wound at this time, because why the fuck would I ask a giant purple bat for help? I don't know. But, fortunately, I regained my senses and decided not to go rushing up to this creature with my arms waving about me. Anyways, enough about me. I'm sure the readers and the listeners would like to know what this creature looked like, so let me tell you. It was purple, like Bar like Barney the Dinosaur purple. 
And yes, I know you've already guessed it from my earlier description, but but when I say it was purple, I mean it was really fucking purple. It's skin, claws, hairs, nostrils. Everything about this creature was purple, like a uh, bad Jimmy Osmond dream. I've known people who have uh, disputed that uh, there is such a color as purple, meaning that either purple is a shade of blue or maybe a shade of brown. Apparently this fucker's colorblind too. And if any of them were to <laughs> it witness... It really is Preston. Yeah. If any of them were to really <laughs> witness this creature, they would understand what the color purple is, even more than that Whoopi Goldberg movie. And I couldn't describe <laughs> it as deep of a purple, nor dirty purple, only a purple in its most purplest, purest form. The purple, purple people eater. Like when doves cry. Yeah. <laughs> It was a purple people eater. Come on. So anyways, this creature stood about 15 feet high when it was uh, sitting hunched over in front of me. I later discovered that the creature would measure an easily, or an easy 30 feet from uh, head to bottom once it was airborne. And I say bottom because it didn't really have a tail. The head of the animal was unusually small compared to its massive body. The beady purple eyes would remind anyone who had the misfortune of seeing them and believe me that this creature could be one one of the Ratten family, while other characteristics of the head also had uh, many features of the Ratten family being of noteworthy is the the long pointed ears from the which protruded from the top of the creature's head. Now the nose was rather small, the most pronounced feature of the nose being its unusual color of purple. The most deepest purple you've ever seen. Now, I believe this is the only creature in the world that had a fucking purple nose. The wingspan of the creature, my god, it looked very small, as if it couldn't fly with such a wing, wing surface. However, I later learned that once the creature was airborne, the wings extended out to form a wingspan of 40 feet. The most disturbing feature of the large bees was its hands. It appeared to have... Four sets of them. Perhaps I should clarify that I mean it had two sets of claws uh, on the hands and then on its wings. About midway, another set on the torso. Almost as if they were human. I didn't really notice the, the hands near the to torso until another encounter with a, large animal, a larger animal the next day. The creature was very frightening to look at and uh, could almost be a cross between a large bat and a, a large furry human. I believe the most accurate description would be uh, given by the, some of the local townsfolk who later had the misfortune of encountering the beast, naming it Batsquatch. Well, perhaps I've mentioned too much. My worst fears are that I've, uh, I will be traced by email and... Uh, Someone uh, will know my location, thus making me a laughing stock of my community and ending my rather prestigious position within the city. <laughs> if you would like to hear more of my story, you may email me. However, you should make any attempt to trace my email address. I will deny everything. This is like back in the day. the color purple. Did this come out? Didn't this? Wasn't this on Batsquatch.com back in like 98? Yeah, ninety eight. Back when all yeah. the back when the internet was getting its feet, <laughs> it was like everybody's all yeah. paranoid about privacy. Dark issues. web. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, shit. Now, the Rattan is a type of mouse, I believe. In 2009, the next report comes. Two hikers on Mount Shasta in Northern California reported seeing what frightened them as a flying humanoid with bat-like face and bat-like wings that came flying out of a cave on the mountainside. One of the witnesses would describe the beast as follows. So me and my friend were hiking around Mount Shasta, and out of one of the crevices flew out this massive creature. I mean, this thing was huge. Huge. It was as tall as a man, as stocky as Hulk Hogan, and had leathery wings. I believe the wingspan was at least 50 feet on that shit, from one end to the other. I was holding up my camera, trying to get the shot, but it, but I was paralyzed with fear as the thing flew by. I didn't get a picture. Damn it. What do you think this might be? Could it have been a pterodactyl? It was flying or gliding fast. It seemed to have the head of a bat. It was crazy shit. Thinking about it, it doesn't have the head of a pterodactyl. I saw a picture of a pterodactyl and the heads are not similar. I would think it had the head of a bat or maybe maybe like more like a fox. That damn thing flew into a clump of trees and vanished. I heard you guys might be going back to Mount Shasta. If you do, please look out for this thing. Now, Mount Shasta itself is a whole nother topic we should probably delve back into because it has its own series of crazy-ass instances. And then in 2015, a report of a family's encounter with Basquatch in Missouri from 2015 was posted in several local newspapers, including the Phelps County Focus. The incident was reported on MUFON, who investigated the encounter. A local family was driving down a dirt road headed to the Blue Spring Trailhead in Shannon County, Shannon County, Missouri, when the mother spotted the creature. When interviewed by MUFON, investigator Dr. Emmett Reary and Gary Hart, the woman described the creature as a winged entity seven to eight feet tall with leathery wings from its shoulders to the ground, black in color with pointed ears and a triangular head with yellow eyes that made her feel very, very uncomfortable. This report seems to be quite credible as it was reported on several newspapers and then researched by MUFON. But then sightings began to go farther than just Washington and Missouri. And now curiously, although the bat squash as we know it seems to inhabit the northwest corner of the United States and supposedly emerged from the 1980s during the eruption of Mount St. Helens, there are some other strange reports that something similar had made its way across Texas in the 1970s. On January of 1976, there was a spat of sightings over the span of two weeks, such as the case of the brothers named David and John Doubt. The brothers were driving along the rural road in Rio Grande Valley, when a bat-winged humanoid with a head reminiscent of what they said to be a wolf that was estimated to be about 8 to 10 feet tall landed in the road in front of them, forcing them to screech the brakes to come to a complete halt. As they tried to back up away from the nightmarish creature, it lunged forward as if it were about to attack, only to then strike fly straight up into the air and then over top of their car with an audible whooshing sound of the wings. And in another case, a father and his son who claimed to be out hunting for deer in Hildago County near Houston 
said the creature had swooped down and grabbed the father and tried to carry him off, with the man only barely managing to escape, with the son shooting at it from his father's rifle. The man apparently was left very shaken, with broken ribs and deep talon marks on his body. But all things told, there were a total of ten people who would claim to see a similar creature, including two police officers. It's unclear whether these encounters have anything to do with the Basquatch as we know from Washington, but they're similar enough to be intriguing, and similar enough to make you think the creature may have been around way before the 80s. So what I want to know is, when Mount Shasta exploded, did it release something that was imprisoned inside the volcano, or did this creature basically just fly by and get caught up in the updraft? Yes. No, okay, well there you go, folks, definitive. <laughs> <laughs> Before Sean and I were, you know, this week trying to figure out, like, okay, do we have time to do this episode? Because this was a big daddy episode, right? Yeah. And we were like, well, fuck, dude, we can't do it a fucking another, like, all we've, all we've been doing is, like, news story episodes. So we, we got we to gotta find a topic. And I'm like, all right, well, let me, you know, hit my resources up and let me see what I can come across. And I came across the, another cryptid that we'll do next week. And in going down this deep, dark rabbit hole of this cryptid, um, it, it goes back to Native American folklore. And a lot of these areas have Native American folk folklore where they describe whatever creature it is as a demon. And these, these creatures would use like lakes, they would use caves, they would use mountains, and they would bury themselves deep within, you know, deep within these, you know, habitats. And, you know, you would have to do like offerings, you would have to do all these different things. So, um, I, you know, there's, what was that, uh, what was that movie that came out in the 2000s about the the group of people, they go down into the, the, the cave and they, they, you know, they find like this, uh, uh, like undiscovered creature and it fucking tears them all apart. Uh, Descent? The Descent? Yes. Right. So there are all these places across the world. And, you know, Sean, you know, we were talking about the, uh, uh, I, I said Chilean, but it's actually in Venezuela. There are these mountaintops that are so high up and they're packed with actual dense jungle that um, the, the, the novel The Lost World by Arthur Conan Doyle, when he wrote that, he based that book off of um, like stories and firsthand accounts of climbers who decided, you know, way back in the day, like, I'm going to be the first motherfucker to get to the top of this mountain. So they get to the top of the mountain and they saw these animals that hadn't been recorded yet in history. Because those areas were so isolated, like, you know, there's like giant spiders, there's like these fucking red red birds, like the reddest birds you've ever seen. And then even now in modern times, like, we're going into caves that have been untouched for millions of years, like they've had no human contact. So we're discovering all these new, you know, species of animals. So inside this volcano that's, you said, almost 10,000 mm -hmm. feet up. 
who's to say that there wasn't a species of you know monkey dactyls because you know fuck china can't always get the cool cryptids like we can have monkey pterodactyls too and maybe they were hiding out like a small population was hiding out inside this fucking mountain and then bada bing bada boom kablam the the mountain explodes and then these creatures who were like deep inside these caverns like what the fuck it's fucking sunlight oh fuck fucking prize pigs right there and they're going down and swooping and hollering and, Wait, is uh, that Blondie so, playing yeah, on the radio? I love Blondie. <laughs> yeah, fu- yeah, fuck. So uh, yeah, I I think that uh, you know this is uh, you know not uh, a paranormal creature per se, but uh, you know it's maybe one of those isolated incidents where you have this 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 animal that uh, has been secluded from you know evolution for whatever reason. And then this event happens, and they're now interacting with human beings. Oh. So, well, it's funny you brought up the Chilean story because I have this book that we oftentimes kind of reference. It's called "I Know What I Saw" by Linda S. Godfrey, who also wrote other books like "American Monsters." This is about modern day encounters of monsters of urban legend and ancient lore, and it talks about this creature in Chile. She says, it's possible that some of these sightings are actually misidentified big bats. But let's consider this May 7, 2000 story. It was an incident in Santa Elena, Chile. In this book, cited above, uh, which I is farther up in the paragraph, Ms. Rosales recounted the unsettling experience of a 33-year-old man named G. Alejandro Canales. Rosales says that Canales was walking home late one night after tending to rabbit pens, which he kept in another location, when he discovered something lurking in the darkness that seemed more interested in him than the rabbits. As a man made his way through the unlighted alley to take a shortcut, he felt something big flutter and land on his back. Alejandro screamed and tried to shake off whatever the unseen assailant was that grabbed him, so he grabbed a flashlight. When he turned around, the light revealed what was, which was unimaginably frightening, a pair of shining golden eyes, accentuated with a mouth brimming with fangs, and its furry humanoid body, all which were clinging to the man's back with the aid of bat-like wings. The creature emitted a foul stench, and when the flashlight beam hit its face, the creature suddenly released its grip and flapped away into the night. Now, this creature sounds like the winged humanoid, but a pint-sized version, mind you, of the bat squatch, a flying wolf-like beast from Washington State, and countless other winged humanoid creatures were reported by eyewitnesses around the United States, including West Virginia's Mothman, to the Jersey Devil of the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. It's hard to say whether the small pint-sized creature in Chile was a creature in itself, or a juvenile version of a subspecies of the bat squatch, or possibly something entirely new. So that's a fun little coincidence there that you uh, brought up chili. Interesting. Well, boys, if it's not a demon, what the hell is the bat squatch? Well, we got two opinions here. The first is that the bat squatch might just be an extra-dimensional creature that dropped through a rift and got stuck here. If the first sighting really was close in proximity to Mount St. Helens' eruption, 
that it's possible the force of the blast may have ruptured the time-space continuum, allowing something to get sucked through. The other option is the Bat-Squatch might actually be an alien. Consider that Brian Canfield's truck died without any reason or explanation and then restarted after the Bat-Squatch left the area. It just so happens to jive pretty close to other UFO and alien encounters. So it doesn't seem completely out of the ordinary that a UFO may have dropped off the Bat-Squatch to do a little recon mission work before it flew off, thus allowing old Brian's truck to start back up. Or it could simply be another giant unknown species of bat that just so happened to inhabit a cave in the side of Mount St. Helens. But no matter how you slice it, boys, the bat squatch is a creature that has truly made its way into our hearts and our beer cans alike. <laughs> but there you have it, folks. Cryptid Encounters the bat squatch. Jeez. Yeah, it felt good to do one of those yeah, again. It's been fun. a while. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed it. Big old, big old beefy, extra supersized episode. We're going to get back to doing more of those, so uh, just brace yourselves. Well, Steve, why don't you plug the social medias cool. and we'll get out of here. All right, check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. That's where all the visual aids for each episode go. You definitely want to check out this. Including your you know, eyewitness. You want to see that amateur sketch. <laughs> Artist recreation. Let's go. You also oh, see the it. pictures of uh, the IPA that Sean was drinking and pictures of what mm -hmm. this thing looks like. So check it out on there. We also share that exact same post to Facebook. You can share it on there as well. And uh, yeah, give us uh, check us out on uh, iTunes for reviews. Use a couple of them. That'd be awesome. Get us more out there on the charts. It'd be awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, tell your friends, guys. If you enjoy this show, you like what we do, tell your friends. Turn them on to us. Uh, the more listeners we get, the better we feel. So listen to Pixelated Paranormal while you eat every meal. That just came to me. Did you like that, boys? That was smooth jazz, a little improv. There you go. Yeah, and then uh, don't forget we're on uh, YouTube because uh, the last time I brought this up, we were at uh, 87 subscribers. Now we're all the way up to 92. Ooh, shit, girl. That's pretty fucking, yeah, that's pretty close to 100. So, uh, you know, spread the word, do what you can. And uh, next time I sign on, folks, I want to yep, see we'll be doing subscribers. Uh, Ooh. We'll be, when we do do the ESP game, we'll be videotaping that. So that'll go up on our on our YouTube as well. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we want to do some more stuff. Yeah. We can actually, you know, record and then have you guys actually see our beautiful shining faces. And don't forget, if you're in the Wichita area on Sunday the 23rd, stop on down to that open market I was telling you about. I believe it's going to be in downtown uh, Old Town Square. We'll post links. We'll post the address and more about that closer to the time. But, yeah, stop on by. Say what's up to us. You meet us in the flesh. Um, I'll have a handful of stickers on me that day. And then uh, get a chance to meet the man, the myth, the bearded wizard himself, Big Dobbs. And speaking of Big Dobbs, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, hell, if you want to be like old Bat Squatch himself and have the most purpliest, purplish beard that's maybe the most purple you've ever seen or brown, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Because <laughs> I tell you, Bat Squatch doesn't because he's rocking. 
Big Dobbs beard bomb, and he's just fucking covered in it, and he looks good, he smells good, he's lush. Why? Because of Dobbs. So go over to BigDobbsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and get yourself some succulent scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, uh, sweet, uh, <laughs> tobacco Fresh, Citrus, Mint, and Classic. And because Sean's an idiot, I almost said Sweet Tobacco, <laughs> that's but that's not a real thing. We wish it was. <laughs> I love it too much. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and say hi to our friend Leslie and the gang over at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. And I think that about does it for now, guys. Watch out for the bat squatch. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, folks, cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal your guide to the unusual and the strange.